0: That's something or what? So hard to preach when you got snot coming out your nose. But anyway, we're glad you guys are here this morning. And uh, man, I want to feel the presence of God, but want to learn from God as well. And so that's where my part comes in at. And uh, my name is Terry Pierce. Been the lead pastor here for a really long time. And uh, a few of you've been around the whole time. But anyway, uh, we're glad that you guys are here today. We are going through uh, what we do here at Connect Church is we don't have a big show. Uh, I'm not a big fancy speaker, but what we do is we just preach the Bible and we go verse by verse through the Word of God exposition of His Scripture. We are in the Gospel of Luke. We've been there for about 18 years. Uh, not really, but it seems that way. And uh, we're just going verse by verse, unpacking the Word of God. And we believe that what we discover each and every Sunday here is that God has a plan for your life. And it's like peeling an onion back. We get one layer at a time, but we're helping you discover God's specific plan for your life and that's why you need to be here because God's going to reveal another piece of that each and every week. So let's dive into today's piece and uh He's got a word today. And my prayer is you don't see me. Less of me and more of him today because he wants to speak. And I'm telling you, um I don't always say this, but I am today. I love preaching here every week. But he has a word for you guys. So let's just Pray that he list that we listen and hear from him. Less and be more of him today. And that's been my prayer all weekend. And here we are. So old Mr. Yates lived back in the Great Depression feel like I understand him a little better. Okay, anyway, and so uh, old Mr. Yates lived in the Great Depression, and uh, things were really sucky, and you and, uh, understand that, and so the bait tells him that he said, listen, your family farm, you've not, you know, been able to make your payments, and he said, you got one month, you got 30 days, and we're going to foreclose on the farm. About three weeks uh, before they came to get the farm, Alan, had a knock on the door, And this dude said, we represent the oil company. And Mr. Yates, we would like to buy, purchase, your permission, some ground that we can drill and see if there's any oil on your ground. Michael, he was just like, ain't got nothing else to lose. Three weeks, I'm losing the whole thing anyway. Drill, baby, drill. And uh, so they began to drill on his ground here in America. Novel idea. Anyway, and so uh, they began to drill, and all of a sudden, they hit a gusher. I'm talking about Jed Clampett type, you know, uh, gusher, except reality. This is a true story. And so loading up, and going to California. Anyway, uh, and so they hit, they hit the gusher, and 82,000 barrels a day are coming up out of the ground, and this guy instantaneously went from being losing the farm to a multi-multi-millionaire in just a matter of moments. All right, a cool story, true story, bro. Uh, So here's the question. We're calling a business meeting right now. Baptist, this is what we do before Jesus and church. You know, we're more worried about business meeting. Uh, So anyway, uh, so I'm calling official business meeting. The only table of discussion, a topic on the floor of discussion is this simple question. Did Mr. Yates become a millionaire the day he bought the old country farm or did he become a millionaire when they dug the dug the hole and out popped the oil the answer is he became a millionaire the day he bought the farm he just didn't realize what he had and what was given to him and the truth of the matter is i think that that is a perfect word picture not only of our text today but also of the American church this morning and and probably in your home let's just go really personal today because we're going to get real personal today where you're living at and your circumstances and your discipleship journey or lack thereof i got a feeling that far too many of us in the church are living below The riches that God has given us. Here's what I'm talking about, Ephesians chapter one. And so write this verse down. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You get in the picture here at Connect Church. It's about Jesus and what He did for us. And He has blessed us in Christ with every what? Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know what that verse says? It's not for you, Dustin. Not for you, Taylor. Not for you, Rob. It's not, no, no, no. That verse, y'all keep reading this and thinking, well, it can't be for me because I'm, you know, all screwed up. I did all this stuff. Would you look at there and tell me where there's any exclusions at? Anybody, any race, any color, any people left out of that, James? I hate to tell Tanner this, but even Texas people, I'm just telling you, everybody is included in God's plan. And notice what he says. I have blessed you with salvation through Jesus Christ and carried you to heavenly realms. I'm telling you, folks, God wants us living in his presence, in his kingdom of glory, and we keep living like we can't even pay the bills. God theologically has placed us into heavenly realms And this morning, I want to piggyback off of that theological truth and sort of illustrate what Jesus is going to dramatically illustrate for you and I today. And that is, is that God wants us to see his glory. And instead of living anemic lives, and here's the counter to this. If all of this is true, you with me this morning as it is? Do you all agree with me? Do you believe that this is true? Have you been saved? Do you all believe that this is true? Ready? Are Are you with me or not? If it's true, then why are you living depressed, discouraged, fighting with your spouse, your kids and your relationships suck? All of this is going sideways in your life, the country. Why are we living down here like the bill's about to come due and we're fixing to lose everything? Why are we living this way when Christ has done this for us? I think there's a better answer And that answer is what we're going to see in the text today is Jesus is inviting you and you and you to visit with him on the mountain. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in one paragraph and then we're going to jump ahead to another paragraph. And in sermon preparation and all of the scholarship, they're going to tell me, that and I agree that I'm going to include a paragraph here that follows this story, uh, and I'm supposed to save it till next week. But the Holy Spirit just said. Throw out the, what you've been trained to do in preaching. Your folks need to hear the other paragraph today. So we're going to do what the Holy Spirit said, and we're going it doesn't sort of fit, but it really you're going to see at the very end that it does fit. And so we're going to just go with the Holy Spirit uh, this morning on this deal. And so we're, we're going to unpack all of this for you guys. So here's, here's the setting and the context. For those of you that are, uh, have been missing this whole sermon series, your first time here, whatever, where have you been? Uh, but anyway, let me catch you up to speed real quickly. Uh, y'all get back off vacation and listen. But anyway, so here's where we were at last Sunday. A really cool service, a great moment. Comes to the pivotal moment in the Gospel of Luke. Right in the middle of chapter 9. Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says to them, remember last week? Remember Mark? He says to them, who do you all say that I am? And Peter hits it out of the park. He goes, you are Christos. Go back and listen to the sermon po- uh, podcast. The Greek word, you are the Christ. Uh, the Hebrew word, Messiah, which means Messiah. In other words, translated, what did we tell you, teach you last Sunday? You are the king. And Peter and the disciples finally, after all this time, get it right. And remember how we even dis- the, the, we dove deeper into it? And he said, not only you're the king, Peter goes, you're my king. You are my king and then Jesus drops a dime on him I mean just pulls the rug out from under him because that's what he does to you and I and our philosophies is he said got the answer right that's cool bro but here's what you need to know about me it's not what you think it's not what you think because I'm getting ready to suffer I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to die. And remember how we unpacked last Sunday. The disciples' reaction was, dang, we done hitched our horses to the wrong ride or whatever that saying is. Anyway, uh, you get the idea. We're on the wrong pathway here. And he says, you know, we, we missed up. And, and so all of a sudden the disciples are just like, boy, that was a balloon buster. I mean, that, that just, you know, a, a good grief. We thought you were going to take over. Here's the problem, guys. Listen to me this morning. The way we've been doing church, and say it again, the way we've been doing church, the way y'all want it, the way we put the pressure on us preachers to give it to you, the what y'all want, so we can keep our jobs. And, and the truth of the matter is, it's just not his plan. And so discipleship, and following Jesus is a little different than what you and I think. Here's what Dr. Darrell Bach, New Testament scholar, says about this text. And we're getting ready to read to you. The rest of the events in this chapter indicate the disciples' initial instincts about how to respond to certain events. They were wrong, and he's right in what he says about the disciples and their interpretation. They will need to listen carefully to correct their ways. What I'm saying is, y'all ever heard the phrase, learn how to read the room? All right, how many of you use that? Don't raise your hand. Uh, on your kid, your spouse, all uh, right, Re- learn to read the room. I'm not in the mood, all right, it's just shut up. And, uh, anyway, uh, so we, we, we say that with our other relationships. I think it could be said about the American church today. We keep doing things the way we want it done, and Jesus is saying, It's just not the Father's plan, guys. This is why you guys keep failing. This is why the church and the country is going to hell. All these things are dying out because you're reading the room wrong. Here's what it means to be a disciple. This is what it looks like. I'm not going to be an overthrowing king of the Roman government. I'm going to be a salvation king that will change you from the inside out. Oh, we didn't get that. We didn't get the memo. This is the memo. So Jesus, this is crazy town here, retreats up into a mountain, and he only invites three disciples. Now, this is crazy stuff for me. We could debate between Calvinism and Arminianism uh, and the sovereignty of God, and, and, you know, and you know, I could get really boring here with you guys, uh, but this is going to blow your mind. He doesn't invite everybody to go. Two on that. you yeah, I'll just take it home with you. I don't know the answer, but I'm just telling you, he doesn't invite everybody to go. You know how some of y'all happy-go-lucky people, well, let's just invite everybody to go. No, no, he just invites three. And I think there's a reason, and I'm going to make the case for it as we go through this. But he only invites three to go up on the mountain. Maybe. Maybe it's because they were a little more hungry. They wanted to see Jesus' glory. He invites three to go up on the mountain. And they begin to see what they thought church, what they thought Jesus was going to be, discipleship. They they read the room wrong. And about eight days after these things, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And by the way, this is where we lose you all at the beginning. Notice, he didn't say, y'all go to church and we're going to take you up to the mountain. He doesn't say, do your hear journals. You need to do those things, but you're going to take me to the mountain. Here's where y'all get lost at and why Jesus maybe, maybe, Just throwing this out there. Maybe the reason he's not inviting you to the mountaintop is because you don't really pray. Ouch. Jesus invited them to go up to the mountain to do what, Jody? Pray. Interesting. So the appearance of his face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Moses and Elijah, we're going to get really, is going to be good. And, and who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Baptist deacons, dang it. All right. Uh, and but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And two men stood with him. And as the men were parting with him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we're here. Let us make three tents. One of you, one of them for Moses, one for Elijah. And then I want you to underline this phrase because I promise you, you probably never heard this. I've never studied this. We're going to hit this and it's going to blow your mind. Not knowing what he said. I want to dive there, but we're going to hang on to that because it's so good. And as he, this is, I love the Bible. As he was saying these things, I don't know why y'all think it's boring. And, and, and as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid to enter the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found all alone. You see, when you have a glory moment, it's going to be different than what you thought. And they kept silent and told no one in those days of anything what they had seen. Now we get crazy, and on the next day, y- y'all underline that. When how long was it after the mountaintop experience, danny you All right, y'all. I know we're in Mississippi, but let's get this down. On the next day, all right, you with know me? So was it a week? Was it a month? When they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, and behold, a man cried out, "Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child." And began, and behold, his spirit seized him. And suddenly cries out; and convulses, so the foams of the mouth and he shudders and hardly leave him. Dang it! And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So here we are this morning, during this time of prayer. Jesus is transformed, as you just read, into a glorious figure with a brilliance like lightning. His glory takes you back to a description of Moses in Exodus. And now here's where we land at theologically this morning. We're debating, and, and I mean, scholars are, are, you know, trying to contend. Why, if, you're, if you ever thought of this, here's a great question. Why does God the Father only invite Elijah and Moses on top of the mountain? Fair question. And Bible scholars argue the really good theological answer is is that Moses represented the law, and he does, and so Jesus fulfilled the law, and then Elijah represented the prophets and the, the prophecy of the Messiah. That's a great argument, but can I go a little bit deeper into this this morning? Because what happens in the Gospel of Luke is notice that he's the only author of the four gospel writers of this story that tell us that there was a conversation that went on with Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. I don't know how I've missed this all these years. I feel so dumb sometimes when it comes to the Bible. And, 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 but he's the only gospel writer that, that says there was a conversation. So can I ask you to join with me this morning on a little dream journey? Uh, and by the way, this is how you all need to learn how to read the Bible and get into it instead of just reading it for facts. Now, I can't prove everything that I'm getting ready to say, but we know the text says they had the conversation, but you can't prove me wrong, okay? Uh, So here's where we're going to go at this morning. And, and, And so I think it maybe went down like this. Jesus is having a conversation. The text says that the disciples are groggy. They wake up. Jesus has been praying, you know, like you all. We're not, oh, that's boring. So they go to sleep. Jesus has been praying. The glory of God comes down. He's dressed in white. They're seeing the glory of God. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Elijah and Moses shows up. And y'all realize they knew who they were? And, and, and now here's the thing, Jared. Moses had been dead 1,400 years. how they know who Moses was? It looked like some of y'all got up this morning. Anyway, and Moses has been dead 1,400 years, and now he's on top. Elijah, he didn't even die. Y'all remember Sunday school? Elijah just rode out on a chariot 900 years earlier. So now, how do they know it's Moses and Elijah? Because they were having a conversation, and they heard Jesus say, Moses. Duh. Okay, so you getting there with me? And so Jesus says to Moses, and I think that y'all just dream with me this morning. Again, y'all can't prove me wrong, so just whatever. So here's the thing. Jesus is having a conversation with Terry. I mean, with Moses, Terry. <laughs> and anyway, trust me, uh, Becky was going, ain't no way my Terry on that mountain. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> uh, so, it, so here we are, even on Father's Day. So here we are, Moses and Elijah on top of the mountain. Um, and and uh, Jesus, and Jesus is talking to Moses. And here's how I think it went down. I think they hug each other. Yeah, it's been 30 years since I saw you. And they hug each other. And then he says, Moses, you realize you remember the last time we were on a mountain together, 1,400 years earlier. And we're on a mountain. And then all of a sudden, Moses, you realize that you're just discouraged. You're so sick of those Jews and those Israelites. The Father has parted the Red Sea we've saved an entire nation a million jews walk out of slavery and bondage and when we bless them with freedom what do they do they spend the next 40 years belly aching and griping about the food about the water. And remember one day, Moses, you're about to kill him. The next day, the father's about to kill him. And your guys are going back and forth. Who's going to kill him? And, and we're like, no, we got to love these people and blah, blah, blah. And we go back and forth. And then Moses, you're just discouraged. You're defeated. These guys are not getting it. And what does the father do, Moses? And I'm telling you, he gets holy at that point, Miss Sharon. And he says, what does the father do? Moses, he takes you up to the mountain and he puts you on top of the mountain. And there, the father just shows you his glory miss marie he gives you the law and he says you go back and tell the people how to live for me how to follow me how to be my disciples and he said the glory of god was so powerful that the people couldn't even look at you because you had seen the presence of god i'm telling you and i believe they begin to high-five each other and i begin they celebrate what that mountaintop was like and then he says oh elijah you ain't here by accident either Because Elijah, you remember me and you were on a mountain together too one day, 900 years ago. Me and you were on a hill called Mount Carmel. And on that mountain in Mount Carmel, Y'all remember what happened, don't you? You see, Elijah was a like a precursor uh, getting ready for Jesus. Elijah came, and he healed a little boy that had been dead, and he raised him from death to life. And Jesus said, man, I've done that hundreds of times. There was a woman who ran out of oil, couldn't feed her family, and, and Elijah came, and he just touched the oil. And I'm telling you, she began to cook for everybody and survive in her family. And Jesus said, man, I fed 5,000 with a couple of fish uh, and a loaf of bread. I'm just telling you, Elijah, you were just setting the table for me to come and he said but Elijah remember the mountain you remember Mount Carmel when the world had literally went to hell everybody was worshiping idols everybody was cursing my own people were cursing the name of God the father and then Elijah and they're just having this conversation The disciples are sitting there the whole time laying with their mouth hanging wide open dude that's moses that's oh man Uh, and so the whole thing's going down and then while on top of the mountain he says to elijah but you remember that day that you prayed you didn't do a dance you didn't do a song you didn't do a sermon you prayed and what happened the fire of heaven fell, and all of God, all of the people, they fell on their face and cried out, God, save us. And every knee bowed and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. On top of the mountain with Elijah. And as great as glory as that is, and they begin to high-five each other because Elijah and Moses, you see, my personal opinion is the reason that Elijah and Moses got to come is because they'd already been on the mountain with God before. Amen, you get it? But then Jesus, y'all ready? I got to get my breath for this one. Jesus then turns the conversation about himself. He said those were good days. Moses, those are good days on top of the mountain. Elijah, but he said they're not even in the running. Because in about three weeks, I'm going to go to another little hill. And it's not going to be a glorious mountaintop experience like we just talked about. But I'm going to go to a hill called Mount Calvary in just a few weeks and I'm going to go on top of a hill called Mount Calvary and there (laughs) the law is going to be fulfilled and all of the world will know and every knee will bow because I'm going to be rejected I'm going to suffer I'm going to be crucified for the sins of all humanity from all the way back to Moses to all the way to 2022 and connect church until June the 19th and I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm going to die for everybody. I'm going to be redeemed and raised up on the third day on a hill called Mount Calvary. And I'm telling you, that's victory in Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen! That is the mountaintop experience. Give God the glory for the hill called Mount Calvary. And this morning, we're going to do what we ought to do more often is we're going to worship Him. Don't leave because we ain't done yet. I'm just getting started. But we're going to worship the victory that we have in Jesus this morning. Anybody here with me thankful for the mountaintop? Let's celebrate today. Here we go. I heard an old, old story. How my Savior came from glory. How he gave his life. Amen, and that good stuff. Uh, I really want to be, uh, to be honest with you, i really want to be very, very spiritual and say we did that because we need to, and we did we need to worship. But I really need to get a second breath. All right, so here we go because uh, I'm getting old. Uh, good stuff. Would y'all not agree? All of that's just solid biblical truth. Remember what we started with. We just not we're not living this. It's where he's landed us. It's what he's called us to. This is the heavenly realm, the mountaintop. So where I want to close the message out with this morning is why aren't we living this out? Why are we struggling with spiritually a weak, anemic stuff? You guys are fighting in your marriages. You guys are, you're not living this out. Over the course of time, you allow sin to erode your knowledge and confidence in what Jesus has done for you and I. And this morning, I want to challenge us. How do we learn to accept the invitation of Jesus? to join Him on the mountaintop. And I want to suggest to you and I that we've got to get hungry for Him. You need to go back and listen to Wednesday night's service. As um, we were going through the Here Journal, we're doing our prayer time. We just have an old-fashioned prayer service on Wednesday nights. We just decided to pray and watch God give us four straight weeks of people getting saved, baptized, the revival that's happening here. It's because we're praying and we're asking Him for it rocket science It's that simple in your marriage Is that simple with your kids You have not because you ask not God I need your help God lead me And if you see fit help me to be a better husband help me to get over my addictions God set me free do Y'all just sing this or do you really believe it You see the problem is is that we're not hungry for him we, we, we've led you for years now. Discipleship, small groups on Sunday nights, discipleships happening throughout the week, small, even smaller groups. And, and here's the thing, some of y'all are still not on board. You're still not doing, and, and even those of you that are doing your here journals, now I'm going to tick y'all off, and it's okay because that's what I get to do. And so, but here's the thing, y- 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 y'all are still thinking like legalist Baptist. Went to church, check, I'm better than you. I wore a tie to Sunday, better than the preacher. He don't even dress right like a preacher, like a check. I read my Bible, check. The problem is, God didn't call you to have knowledge of the Bible. You're a Bible fundamental preacher. Yeah, I am. Because the Bible, is the the HEAR journal acronym that we tell you guys to do, What are we telling you? Highlight what God's Word is saying. Explain it, what we do every Sunday. But here's the problem. Y'all are not getting the letter A down in your life. You're not taking it and saying, Jody, what does this mean that I can be a better husband, a better dad, and a better grandfather, and a better employee at work? You're not taking the time to apply it to your situation, to your situation. And the Word of God's not going to do you one bit of good until you apply it and say, what do I need to change in me? Boy, now I got quiet. Where y'all standing now? Oh yeah, that's how little victory in Jesus. No, because you all are not applying the Word of God to where you live at. No wonder your attitude still sucks. No wonder you're so miserable and depressed, because you're not saying, "God fix me." God, this is where I'm at. Okay, well, I don't want God to know how I feel about Him. He already knows, and He still wants to know, and He still wants you messed up as you all are. You've got to get hungry for God. This is what we talked about. Um, you, you've got to get hungry for him. We gave the illustration Wednesday night in prayer time. If you meet Tanner and Andrew and I, we do not lack for desiring to eat. Mark Garrett, one of our church members, he does this every year. He's a school teacher, so you know how y'all have the whole summer off. Uh, anyway, and so uh, he's, uh, he's, ta- and he's this Wednesday, he's having the whole staff over for lunch you know how long it took for us to accept that invitation i mean it was done Mari said you guys want to come okay we're in. we didn't even ask what he we don't even care what he's cooking it's food and we're going to be there with we, tanner we're celebrating his birthday on tuesday tanner's going we're going to you know, eat at that whatever place the taco place uh... and so we're going to eat tuesday we're going to eat wednesday and i'm sure tanner and andrew will come up with something for thursday <laughs> And you know why? Because we love to eat. You do what you love. And if you're not spending time with Jesus, maybe it's a love issue on your part because he loves you. He's crazy about you. And you know the reason we don't apply the word and why you all quit reading the word and why you all quit coming to church is because you don't like sermons like this because that means you have to change you. And y'all don't, it, let me illustrate it to you because I'm losing y'all. Yeah. Um, several years ago, one of our first mission trips, we really got the vision that God cares about the whole world. And so we, we went to France, and we were helping Muslim missionaries uh, reach Muslims in Southern France. And so there was a group of us there, and I was there with one of our deacons, Mark Huddleston, and we took a break. We'd been praying through the streets. It was crazy. They burned the cars behind. It was, it was like a crazy time. Anyway, and so we, we took a break one day, and uh, we were in a, in ex-Provence, France. Uh, I'm not a big, nothing personal, but I'm not a big fan of Paris and the whole French thing. But that little town in Southern France, I could, I could live there. But um, anyway, so we're in this little quaint town. It's, it's uh, literally like 1,000 years old. I mean, just gorgeous, everything you could think of in your vision and your, you know. And so Ms. barber has been there. It's just an incredible place. And so we go into this little second story um, building that's like 1,000 years old, and they have a little pizzeria in the second floor. And it was, oh, it smelled like heaven. The best pizza I've ever had in my life to this day uh, was in that little room in the ex-Provence, France. And you know what made it special? I'm thinking Domino's, you know, I'm American, you know, give me Domino's, you know, Little Caesar's, pizza, pizza, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, 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 <laughs> that's not in the notes. Anyway, pizza, pizza. All right, so anyway, so I'm thinking, uh, you know, American type stuff. Oh, good grief. I was so wrong. Read the room. I was totally my expectations and I watched and I'm waiting for the, you know, because what's good on a pizza? The sausage, the pepperoni, the cheese, Meat lovers, you know, whatever. Uh, So, anyway, so, you know, that's the good stuff. But you know what made that pizza so great? They only had like a couple of toppings on it. But that master chef in that little place, he took the dough out and we watched him put it on the counter, Lynn and he beat the ever-living daylights out of that dough. I mean, he was just, and he was just smashing it, and he would roll it out, James, and, and he would pound it more. And I mean, I, I felt sorry for the dough. I wanted to have a prayer meeting. I mean, that dough was like crying. Believe me, loving somebody eat me. Uh, anyway, and so the dough was just beaten up, and he's laid it all out, and then he puts it in the oven, and he cooks the sucker. And see, what made that pizza the best tasting pizza I've ever had was that dough. That dough had been loved on, it had been taken care of, it had been beaten down, and it was so just unbelievably melted in your mouth. And I learned a whole new appetite for pizza was not just the cool stuff on top, it's the dough that makes a pizza really good. And you see, y'all keep wanting the cool jazzy stuff, You want the toppings in your spiritual life. Go to church, everything's going to be great. But you don't want God to refine you in your hear journals. You don't want the discipline of prayer. And you don't want God to rub out the rough stuff in you and your personality and to change you. And you wonder, now look at me, you wonder why Jesus never invites you to the top of the mountain. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. Because that's it. You wonder why Jesus never invites you. And you're sitting, well, I'm just not the kind of person that Jesus loves. Ah, Blah, 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 blah. Stop it. You're not hungry for him. You don't really want to do it his way. And you wonder why there's no victory in your heart and your life. I want to remind you and I this morning... We've got to get hungry for Jesus. And here's the other reason I think that we miss out on his glory. Notice with me real quickly in the text again, verse 34, take up there. And he was saying these things and a cloud overshadowed them. And, and, they, and then Jesus and the God the Father spoke and he said, this is my beloved son. So you get that? And he said, They're my chosen one, listen to him. That's the key that we're talking about. And then notice what happens at the end of that next phrase. And they kept silent in those days what, what they had seen. And then the next phrase and not knowing what he had said. So here's the thing that happens next in this verse. This is what I wanted to, and then we're going to give you a walk away, takeaway. So in the the text, y'all know the story. God the Father speaks and said, this is my chosen one. Listen to him. I don't know how to say that any cleaner because that's what we're doing here today. All right, y'all get it? But notice what Peter does. Peter is a lot like some of y'all creative people. Yeah, yeah, Peter is like, he's southern too. So, Peter, southern created dude, he just blurts out and he goes, Hey y'all, whoa, this is good. We're on top of the mountain. Elijah's here, Moses here, Jesus is here. Let's eat. Uh, and so, Peter's like, Let's just sit out. Let's have a good old fashioned supper, a good southern thing. We're going to have, you know, and matter of fact, what, here's what we're going to do, Cheryl. What would what, what a Baptist do? We're going to build tents and basically translated tabernacles. We're going to put one in the name. We're going to put and build a tent on this mountain forever. It's going to have Elijah's name on it. We're going to build a, a tent and put Moses' name on it and Jesus' name on it. And so he just got this whole creative, cool plan of what he's going to do. And notice what the phrase says. This is what it says, Kimberly. And Jesus paid no attention, basically didn't even hear what he had to say. Y'all keep trying to put on a show and y'all keep trying to do church and Jesus the way that we think and God's not even listening to your ideas. You see, oh, I had a good experience at Connect Church. I want my name and my family on the pew. Oh yeah, I'm going there. I want my name on the building. I want my family name to be remembered for this and I want my family and I want this stained glass window and I want church to be like it was for my grandma and all that. Y'all want to have a celebration of your family and Jesus is not even listening because it's not about you or your family. It's about him. Nobody in your family ever died for you. Only Jesus. We worship the wrong stuff. We worship our programs and our legalism, and we worship our stuff, and we miss the presence of Jesus. No wonder He's not showing up in your life and in so many churches. Is because we've taken His glory. They don't even take time. They ignore Peter completely. Have you ever heard that before? Isn't that crazy? They didn't want the glory to go to Elijah, to Moses, or anybody else. He is the chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now notice what happens in verse 37, and we'll let you go. I know you're all dying to get to eat with your father, so here's the thing. You're okay because you had donuts. All right, here's what happens in verse 37 through 40. you got up on the screen. The next day, they come down from the mountain. So now they've had a mountaintop experience. This guy comes to him, and he's got a crippled kid, and he says, I've taken him to your disciples, and none of them can do this. They can't heal him. And he said, what's the problem with your disciples? I wonder if what's happening at your work, at your school, because it's not my job to win this community to Christ. My job is to do this, is to get you guys ready to go out and face the hell all week and you all to share the gospel at work, at school, retirement, family. That's it, that's disciples making disciples. But maybe they're not coming because we have no power. When's the last time you've been invited by Jesus to the mountain to make a difference in your family? You just saw saying, speak Jesus over my family. Well, how about you talk Jesus with your family? Because maybe if you're talking with him more, it's just going to come out and you're going to be a better wife. You're going to be a better husband if you're with him you're going to know how to handle being single, and you're not going to pick the stupid guy. You're going to see him coming for a change. <laughs> you with me, ladies? Uh, all right, all of those things. You're going to be able to deal with your kids when we speak Jesus into our lives. The truth is, is we have no power. <laughs> I'm going to share, I shared this in first service, and Tanner was in here, and so I did it lovingly and graciously, but I want to illustrate this point, and then I'm going to close out. They had no power to do anything. They'd just been on the mountaintop with Jesus. And I think it so typifies the American church today. Uh, now, we give Tanner a hard time, and he is really a brilliant gospel, Southern Gospel singer. Y'all know that. We, you know, uh, we give him a hard time. Now, here's my true confession, Ms. Marie, so don't say anything ugly. Uh, and anyway, so here's my true confession, Ms. Marie, is that uh, I honestly do like a lot of Southern Gospel the actual songs and stuff. But here's why I won't listen to it. And this is just me this is my prejudice because as I've been pastoring over 30 years, we preachers by and large, the most of us, we can't stand Southern gospel. And it's not the music that we preachers don't like, but we get together and we get ticked off. I use stronger language, but I get fired. And we, and we just rail about Southern gospel singers. Not all of them, and I said that in Tanner's defense this morning, uh, not all of them, but here's what we've hated over the years, and I say hate with everything I can say within me. Sorry, Jody, used to sing in one. Well, anyway, uh, here's, what I, uh, here's what we hated about Southern Gospel singers. They would come to our churches here, in our church, and they'd put on a great show. But they never stay for preaching. I remember Billy Hanna, one of my great pastor friends in South Georgia, he says, I can't stand Southern Gospel Singers because he said they love to put on a show and then everybody comes to the concert, but nobody shows up to hear the Word of God preached and they love to run out and do their show and then come and go. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And honestly, it just ticks me off. It gripes me as a person, as a preacher, but it, and a little bit spiritual, but mostly just as a preacher. And I say all that sort of jokingly, but in seriousness, I feel like that's what a lot of you all do is you wanna come for the show, but you don't want the power to listen and be obedient to the Word of God and to really go home and do this in your life. How much help is it gonna be to hear a good show if it doesn't change who we are on the inside? We've gotta get hungry for Jesus We've got to get hungry for him. So what does this look like? Let me, get, let, me let you go. And um, all right, so I've lost all of y'all. So let me fill you up. Man, you really built us up, Preacher, and then you just buried us. Well, I didn't because the text does. This is, just, this is what's called the Bible. Welcome. Anyway, so here we are this morning. And here's what Rick, Pastor Rick Warren says, and, and he's got some great takeaways here. Here's, here's what I want to leave you with. How do I accept the invitation to join Jesus on the mountain. Here's how you do it. Number one, you got to get fed up with the current state of your life. <laughs> this is it. Write it down. you got to get fed up with the current state of your life. you got to get tired of having no power. you got to decide. It's got to start with you. Do y'all ever try to run your gas tank on empty? Well, right now, all of us are doing that, amen? Uh, But the truth of the matter is, I went by, uh, I was like three cars this week where they'd run out of gas. I get it, but I got news for them. They ain't going nowhere, Brooks. It's hot in Mississippi, it's 100 degrees. Fill up your John Brown tank. Sell a kid, whatever you got to do, but put gas in your car because I'm telling you, you don't want to break down in this heat without gas. You got to fill up your spiritual tank. We don't change when we see the light I wish y'all did. I wouldn't have to yell and do all this stuff and go home and just crash for the next 48 hours if y'all would listen. But here's what we do. You guys are bullheaded and so am I. We change and we feel the heat. We all, how many of us learn the hard way? Y'all get mad and yell at your kids because they learn the hard way. Where do you think they learned it from? Look in the mirror. That's just the way we are. Number two is you gotta come to Jesus. His gets good. The purpose of the mountaintop of his experience was so that J- they, Jesus would be reminded that his suffering was all worth it. But the second purpose of the mountaintop of his experience in Luke 9 was so that his disciples would realize that Jesus is the chosen one. Now here's the thing this morning. You all are sitting here today. Look, please listen. And you know what? You've got a past, and you've got a past, and you've got a past, and you've got a past. And you know what you're doing. Man, I sucked at following Jesus this week. I haven't been to church in two months. I haven't done my here journals, or I certainly haven't done the A part where I applied it. And guess what? Jesus says, come on home anyway. And that money, (laughs) this is what we believe here. It's called grace. Jesus says, come on back to me. I don't care how screwed up you are. How many times have you failed? 13, 20, raise your hand, Terry, 58, all right. And you know what? This is what you learn in discipleship. This is what we preach. Come on back. I love you like you are. Come on back. Come on back. I want you. Jesus never rejects you. Somebody say amen. He loves you as you are. Come back to Jesus today. Come back to him because he wants you. He wants you just like you are. And let him change you and take you back up to the mountain, which leads us to number three. Give up control. The Bible says, take, your, take my yoke upon you. It's an old farming illustration. And what it means, Alan, is that you take two yoke, two harnesses, you put over two ox. And you pull them together. And the whole key concept that Jesus is saying to you and I today is you got to quit doing the lead. You've got to allow me to be yoked with you and us pull together for the Father's mission. And then number four is you got to learn to trust. you got to learn to put your trust in him. At the bottom line, the reason that you're not being invited to the top of the mountain with Jesus is just an old term. It's one word. And there's a lack of humility in your life. If you keep running the show, you keep doing it your way, Jesus is not going to invite you to the mountain. You have to cry out and be hungry for Him. God, show me your glory. Would you stand with me this morning? And if you need, in all humility, to run to this old fashioned altar, an old fashioned altar, and just say, as we sing a verse of invitation, God, I want to see your glory again. God is sorry it's been about me. God, I come back to Jesus. Would you come back to Jesus today as he invites you to get a taste of the mountaintop? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.tryconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.